Welcome. This is Jazz, just the way we like it. Jazz, just the way we like it is my weekly podcast recorded live at Brick Arts in downtown Brooklyn, the People's Republic of Brooklyn. We play those classic jazz songs from the 1950s, the 1960s, and the 1970s. And every now and then, we play the modern stuff. We play songs that we listen to as young men growing up here in Brooklyn. And now we're playing them for your pleasure. And also to introduce a younger generation to that fabulous art form known as jazz. I'm in the studio with my good friend, Lawrence Williams, co-host, my buddy for over 60 years, fellow Brooklyn Knight. Hey, Larry, what's up, brother? All right, what's happening, Lawrence? Good, man. How you doing? All right. Everything everything is all right. Yeah. Well, we're going to continue. This is uh, a part two of Sax Players. Last week, we started playing Sax Players. Uh, early sax players, and we ended up with uh, the beginning of sax players in the bebop era. Uh, and so we'll play jazz sax players who were mainly influenced and played an important role in that bebop jazz, that bop. Uh, we started it off uh, in the bebop era with Sonny Rollins. But before we get to the music, Always, always play a song or a poem, something that speaks to the issue of social justice. Uh, it's important that, that we have something to say about the world we live in. So here's a song that definitely has something to say about the world we live in uh, that was recorded in 1971 speaks about issues that was true then and also true now. Uh, Marvin Gaye, Inner City Blues. Bills pile up, 
Marvin Gaye, uh, Inner City Blues, Make Me Want to Holler, from the uh, What's Going On album, released in 1971. I know you remember when that came out, buddy. Yes, I do. I do definitely remember, and that is really, well, I was yeah. listening to the music behind behind the words. Yeah. And there's like an orchestra that's back there. There's like all kind of instruments behind it. And the words are this true today as they were back then. Yeah, yeah. that was probably uh, the, well, it was definitely the first sort of protest song sung by Marvin Gaye. But I think it was one of the first released by uh, Motown. Motown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Motown did a few of them, but yeah, but this was uh, one of the early, yeah early yeah. ones. Yeah, everybody had this album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, they were playing the song "What's Going On in the City Blues." Those that was national, uh, na- national anthems in the nineteen seventies, man. Yeah, yeah. And he's speaking about cities, and talking about cities, man. I just read 
an article that was in the New York Times, and they also had a report on CBS News about New York City and the changes occurring in New York City. From 2010 to 2020, two decades, we've seen a rise in the city's population. The population in New York City is increasing on one hand. On the other hand, the population of African Americans in New York City is decreasing significantly. And so what we're seeing is the reverse of the Great Migration, where the Great Migration, your parents, my parents, and so forth and so on, came from the south north to the big cities. Now we're seeing the movement, especially with young black professionals, leaving the city and going back south. And in fact, you have a reaction in Atlanta with the blacks about all these New Yorkers coming down and creating all this traffic jam. You know, uh, the city is getting more and more expensive to live. This article stated that the median income and the median medium is, 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 is that thing in statistics in which half the numbers are above and half the numbers are below. The median income for blacks in New York City was about $54,000. Median income for whites in New York City was about uh, 98000 Who can afford to live here? You know? Um, and the surprising thing is that this increase in population is distributed among whites, Asians, and Hispanics. Now whites make up 31% of the population of New York City, Hispanics 28 and Asians at 16%. That's, and the Asians are the fastest growing group in the city. And I can see, we see that in Brooklyn. Uh, and uh, what is the section uh, that, that is the largest Asian population in Brooklyn? Uh, oh, I can't remember the section now. It, it skips me. But anyway, it's larger than Chinatown now. Uh, and here's, here's the thing about the Asian population, man, in New York, in the United States, man. If you look at a little bit of history, and I did a little research, there was the Immigration Act of 1970 that basically excluded Asians, Mexicans from entering the United States. That wasn't enough. They came back a few years later with the Congress did and passed the Immigration Act of 1924 that outright banned Arabs, Asians, and Indians, Indians from India. So the number from these countries coming into this, from coming into migrating into your states with them, near zip, all right? That persisted into the 1960s. What changed? 60s, you had two major pieces of social legislation that was led by African Americans. You had the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And that changed the atmosphere of Congress to be more exclusive, uh, to, ex to be more inclusive, Closer, rather. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought you meant. 
1965, they passed the Immigration and Neutrality Act of 1965 that eliminated all the barriers against Asians, Indians, um, Hispanics, Mexicans, and you saw this rise into of immigration, legal immigration into the country. So these numbers that you see, we see, owe it to the struggle of African Americans. That's something I think that blacks need to understand and also Asians and other groups need to understand. So the demographics in the city is changing, Larry. They, this, this newspaper article talked about Harlem, that during that 10, 20-year period, Harlem lost 5,000 blacks, okay? And it gained 9,000 whites. Bedford-Stuyvesant, our hometown where we grew up, went to high school, all that, lost 22,000 African-American blacks and gained 30,000 whites. Unless something is done, these trends continue, will continue and the neighborhoods that we once knew uh, will, will, will change. But that's nothing new. These neighborhoods always change. Uh, prior to 1930, Bed-Stuyvesant was all white. Yeah. No? So... Yeah. I, my uh, my grandmother owned a home on Lexington Avenue, and her neighbor was a white Italian uh, couple that lived right next door to them, and there was a lot of white folks, and that was like in the fifties when fifties yeah. and early sixties uh, when they when they had this uh, property on Lexington and Sumner, so uh, that's what I've I've seen that yeah throughout my life you know at the and the change. Uh, my next door neighbor, uh, when I lived in Marcy, when we first came there, was uh, an Italian family. Yeah, my best uh, friends as a little kid was white kids. Yeah, in the yeah, projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's exactly because the people that were in the projects in, came uh, in the forties, and they were uh, ex World War II veterans. Yeah, a lot of them were ex World War II yeah. veterans, yeah. Uh, including my father and your father. Yeah. So. Uh, that's where the majority of the uh, folks yeah. that got got those apartments, because I was born on uh, Monroe Street. When, you know, that's where, yeah, you know, not on the street, but um, that's where my mom and dad lived yeah. on Monroe. And then we moved to the projects when I was like one, I think one or two, not quite sure yeah. exactly when. I was actually born in Harlem Hospital, and then at the age of two, my family moved into Brooklyn, into the into the Marcy Projects. Yeah. When I went to um, elementary school, I went to a Catholic school, All Saints, that was on F Troop and Flushing, uh, you know, on the edge of Bushwick uh, and Bed-Stuy. And the um, majority of my class was, 90% of my class were whites. And they were whites that lived in, in Vernon, Willoughby, Pulaski, all those little streets. That that you know, uh, that now that that changed to blacks, but now slowly changing back to whites. Yeah, yeah. So you know this 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 thing of changing New York is it's always been changing. It's in a, it's in flux. New York has always been in flux. Yeah. You know, our neighborhoods are always changing constantly. I hear you, Larry. Wow, we can talk about that a lot. <laughs> but uh, let's get to some jazz, folks. This is uh. Uh, 
Sax Players Part 2. And we're looking at folks from the bebop era. And uh, we're going to start off with a, a, a pretty well-known sax player, man. This cat was called Edward Herman Boner, better known as Sonny Stilt. <laughs> he was a jazz sax player, played bebop and hard bop. He was one of the best documented sax, sax, sax players of his generation. He recorded more than 100 albums. And, of course, uh, was influenced by Charlie Parker and Desi Gillins, uh, Des, Dizzy Gillespie. Uh, let's look to, listen to one of his songs called Lover Man. Sonny Stills. <laughs> Thank you. 
Sonny Still, lover man. You know, he always played in that warm, uh, tender tone. Uh, he was born in 1924, and he passed in 1982. How'd you like that piece, Larry? Yeah, that was really good. Um, it's like you said, you know, like tender. I think of the word sweet, like when you have a sax player that plays like that. That, that yeah. It's like a sweet tone. Uh, really, really something that you love listening to, you know. So uh, yeah. it's really good. I think... Um, the guy that was playing guitar or uh, was really good as well. Like I mean, like he just followed him and allowed the lead to, to lead, but he was right behind, you know, and just just brought the song right along, you know. I really, I really, I really dug that. That was really good. Yeah, Sonny Stitt was a, you know, and it's definitely within that bebop style, man. Even though it, you know, that fast, it, it was a fast progression, but within well defined. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. You know, I was, I was, I was listening for the bebop part of it, and 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 you could, especially at the end, um, he he went off on a couple of, a uh, couple of bars at the end. He just went, you know, did it, you know, like, like what bebop was about, you know. So it's great. Yeah, that was Sonny Still, uh, Lover Man. The next uh, sax player we'll listen to is also. You know, a sax player of the uh, bebop era, that era that was ushered in by Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie uh, and, and others, you know, Bud Powell on piano. They, they were all the fathers of, of that approach that was all built on the earlier sax players, cats like Lester Young, who we listened to and other folks. But another guy, man, he, he was not only a sax player, he was a composer. He was an arranger, and he played saxophone and clarinet. But what made him unique, he was primarily known as a leading jazz baritone sax player. There wasn't many of those around. He played a lot with uh, Stan Keaton and played with Miles and Chet Baker, a number of folks. I'm talking about uh, Jerry Mulligan, Jerry Mulligan. And he was born in 1927 and passed in 1996. And here's one of his uh, famous pieces recorded in 1953 called Walking Shoes. So uh, sit back and groove on this. Thank you. 
Jerry Mulligan, walking shoes. That was Jerry Mulligan on uh, baritone saxophone. You know, he wasn't only skilled on the sax. He was a skilled piano player. And that also featured uh, Chet Baker on trumpet. And you can see that Jerry Mulligan, man, his skills were not only playing that baritone, but in an arrangement, because that that's a really nice arrangement to that uh, piece. Larry. Yeah, that that was really great. I mean, I, I really like what they did with that. Um, and uh, he... He went off, you know. He, uh, that's not a, a very um, easy instrument to play, I think, the, no, uh, no, the baritone. Not, not, not at all. You know, to get the right tones and stuff like that. And it's, it's uh, yeah. and he's a virtuoso with it. So yeah, it's good. there's not many baritones. Compared to tenor sax players and alto sax players in jazz, there's not that many baritone yeah, no, jazz yeah. saxes. Yeah, there's one other one that I can't think of, but I can't yeah. think of his name right now, and it's also very good, like him. So that's Jerry Mulligan, and he's also, you know, considered part of that bebop style, man, you know, post uh, Charlie Parker and Dizzy. Uh, here's a third sax player, you know, so we listen to Sonny Still, Jer uh, Jerry Mulligan. Here's somebody completely different. Uh, this guy was not only a sax player, but a composer, a band leader, and an actor. An actor. Uh, he was one of the major influence early bebop musicians. Uh, he was six feet, six inches tall. Whoa. And he was known as Long Tall Dexter, or Sophisticated Giant. He perf his performance spanned it over 40 years. This cat played jazz. Uh, he lived for about 10 or 12 years, maybe even longer, in Europe, in Paris, and uh, the Netherlands. And he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor in a Leading Role uh, in, in the movie Around Midnight in 1986. He won a Grammy for Blessed Jazz Instrumental Performance and Soloist for the Other Side Around Midnight. Uh, I'm talking about the one and only Dexter Gordon. Dexter Gordon. Dexter Gordon was born in 1923, and he passed on in 1990. Uh, here's a piece called Four, F-O-U-R. So uh, sit back and groove with Dexter Gordon uh, on this composition. Thank you. 
Dexter Gordon on a piece called Four. You can see why he was one of the major early influencer uh, in the bebop era. And he also influenced musicians who came after the bebop era, including John Coltrane, uh, Dexter Gordon, Larry. Yeah, I could see that, man. Uh, yeah, that, that that was a beautiful quartet, you know, with uh, with the drummer and uh, the piano player and the bassist. Uh, everybody got low piece, which is always cool. Uh, but Dexter led that that beautifully. I mean, uh, the tempo was uh, faster than the music that we heard earlier, and it was wow. I liked I liked the, I liked that tempo. Uh, got your head bobbing and weaving, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely bebop, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, I really dug it. Yeah, man. He was he was he was out there, Dexter. You know. Uh, well-known jazz musician, man. He had his own style. Yeah, I mean, he had and, a and presence. You, yeah. and you mentioned the fact that he was uh, six feet six inches tall, and and an uh, Academy Award uh, nominee. Yeah, nineteen eighty-six. Uh, yeah, was, uh, yeah. The, the Midnight Blue is that the uh, uh, um, round round, round mid- midnight? Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I I think I saw that one. That was a yeah. I, I, that was a good movie. That was. Yeah, that it's was still a, on YouTube. You can you can look at some. Yeah, of the I think I actually have to uh, yeah. see uh, CD. Yeah, well, he he you know he played for over uh, four decades, man, and uh, have a lot of albums. Played with a lot of folks. He, he's he's out there, man. He was uh, well known, uh, but he wasn't the only one. Uh, we're gonna play one more from the uh, bebop era, Henry Hank Mobley. Uh, born in 1930, died in 1986. He was a hard bop and soul jazz tenor saxophonist. Uh, Henry Hank Mobley, better known as just Hank Mobley. Man. Uh, this is a piece by him on an album called Workout. That includes Winston Kelly, Paul Chambers, Philly Joe Jones. So uh, let's listen to Hank Mobley workout. Thank you. 
Uh, Hank Mobley on a piece called uh, Workout with Hank Mobley on uh, tenor sax, Philly Joe Jones on drums, Paul Chambers on bass, Grant, Grant Green on guitar, and Winston Kelly on piano. Man, that piece was was definitely hard hard bop. Yeah, it was, it was jumping. Yeah, 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 jumping. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. Uh, do you like it, huh? Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, Hank yeah. Mobley, man, he I think he's uh, underappreciated. Yeah, yeah, uh, I had a couple musician. albums by him, I yeah. think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I have a few. I have this album uh, in which he uh, definitely plays some skill. He also plays a pretty nice soul uh, jazz saxophone. But Hank Mobley and Dexter Gordon, man, was playing that really hard bop. Yeah, yeah, and you, yeah. You, you can hear it. Yeah. And, uh, that leads us into, because there's no one thing that says, okay, bebop ends here, and the next stage of free jazz and modern jazz begins here. It's just like a flow, a flow that has no one starting point. Uh, but if we, if we lead into that, we got to look at some musicians because they expand so many years. And this next guy we're going to play is definitely a guy that, that can fall into some extent uh, bebop, but more into free jazz and the beginning of modern jazz. And that's Joe Henderson. Um, he was a, a hell of a tenor sax player. And he played with many leading American jazz and international jazz artists. You see Joe Henderson on a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. And here's a piece for, uh, from his Inner Urge album called El Barrio. El Barrio. Joe Henderson. And we now move into more free jazz. <laughs> Thank you. 
uh, Joe Henderson uh, on a piece called El Barrio. And you can definitely see that was different from the bebop sax players. You know, that's the beginning of that free jazz period and into the beginning of modern jazz. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I didn't realize that that uh, Henderson uh, was like the, um, maybe not the start, but but part of part of it. Yeah, I'm used yeah. to him playing more structure, not quite um, yeah. as free form as this. Yeah, um, well, his of, his career was so long, four decades. Yeah, that he expanded across. You know, not yeah. only in from the bebop area into yeah. Yeah. free jazz area into the modern jazz era. This was really good. I really liked like like what he did with this in terms of like the free jazz part of it. Yeah, he was very creative. But he was he's a master musician. Yeah. These cats are uh 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 composers, musicians, they they're they're masters of their, their trade. Here's another master of his of the trade. Uh and this he recorded this on the Ed Sullivan show. Uh and it's Rosan Roland Kirk. Oh yeah, you know, and he, uh, who is blind, by the way, and he played multiple instruments, sometimes at the same time. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And um, you talk about free jazz. You got to include this guy. Oh yeah. So, uh, listen to a piece called "Inflated Tears" and the Haitian. F- fight song the haitian fight song was a song written by jerry mulligan and jerry mulligan is is in this piece uh i had no idea that rosan roland kirk was on the ed sullivan show didn't realize that either but people who don't know ed sullivan was the show when everyone looked at tv on sundays that's right that's right everyone who wanted a break to get well known, came and performed on the Ed the, Sullivan. The Beatles. When the when Beatles first came. came. Yep. Ed Sullivan, the Rolling Stones. Yep. Motown, Ed Sullivan. Exactly. Uh, the Supremes, they made the Supremes. They introduced the Supremes to the white audience. Yeah. Ed yeah. Sullivan, because, yeah. you know, Supremes were singing Motown mainly, you know, uh, 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 Rhythm and uh, Blues, uh, R&B. Yeah, 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 the Black Circuit. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, here's a piece by Rosan Roland Kirk on, uh, Ed Sullivan. Enjoy. Black music will be heard tonight. We want you to get into it with us out in the audience. Don't let them wave a sign. You just get into it. Kachumba! Saxophonist Archie Chef. <laughs> Charles Mingus on the bass fiddle, Mr. Charles Mingus. <laughs> the 
Sullivan show, 1971, man, with Son Roland Kirk. Yeah, man. Oh, man, he had so many good people on there. He had Archie yeah. Chef. He had Charles Mingus. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. 
I mean, I didn't. I don't. I don't even remember that. I don't remember seeing that. But uh, I've seen him at the Vanguard one time, and he is a skillful. Oh yeah, uh, musician. He played in, in this piece four different instruments. Yeah, yeah. Clarinet uh, to sax to a recorder. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Larry, it's getting to be that time, brother. <clears throat> I enjoyed you being here. I enjoyed being here, my man. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, folks, we played uh, sax plays part two, which will post. I mean, the bebop era. <clears throat> and we ended going into the free jazz in the beginning of modern jazz. Uh, next week we'll play sax player part three, and that would be the last seg- segment uh, into modern jazz and spiritual jazz. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this uh, podcast. Uh, I'm glad that you listen. Larry, good buddy, I'll see you next week. All right. <laughs> Looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. And to... Uh, and get into the spiritual part of the music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll... we'll uh, there I go, there I until go, the next time, everybody. As always, peace and love. Baby, baby, you are the soul who snaps my control. Such a funny thing, but every time you're near me, I never can be here. You give me a smile and then I'm wrapped up in your magic There's music all around me, crazy music Music that keeps calling me so very close to you Turns me your slave Come and do with me any little thing you want to Anything baby just let me get next to you Am I insane or do I really see heaven in your eyes? Bright as stars that shine up above you in the clear blue skies How I worry about you, just can't live my life without you Baby, come here, don't have no fear Oh, is there a wonder why I'm really feeling in the mood for love So tell me why, stop to think about this weather, my dear This little dream might fade away There I go talking out of my head again Oh baby, won't you come and put our two hearts together That would make me strong and breathe Ooh, when we are one I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid If there's a cloud up above us Go on and let it rain I'm sure our love together will endure a hurricane Oh, my baby, won't you please let me love you And give me relief from this awful misery
Maybe there we can find a good place to use a loving state of mind. I'm so tired of being without and never knowing what love's about. James Woody, you can come on in, man, and you can blow now if you want to. We're through.